1: there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh!
3: Same and time and time again.
0: Choosing Gary Neville as your specialist subject on Mastermind, if football managers were bound by mainstream HR processes, children's mindless emulation of star players, elite-level on-pitch spitting techniques, the rise of the words we talk about in football punditry, Coronation Street versus EastEnders in getting football right, and the function of the present tense in mid-game analysis. Brought to your ears by Goalhanger Podcasts, this is Football Clichés and Mesut Harlan Dix. Hello everyone, welcome to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and alongside me for this one is, first of all, Charlie Eccleshire. How's it going? Very well. As we record, it's the Spurs live show tonight of the View from the Lane podcast. Uh, not much to discuss there then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. a quiet
2: night on Monday.
0: Yeah, should be good. Alongside you, David Walker. All good? Yeah, very good. Yeah, look forward to this because joining us for Mesert Harland-Dix today is comedian, writer, actor... George Lewis. How are you doing, George?
3: I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. Very happy to be here. Your book is, is, the, is the number one aid to a lot of my writing, I have to
0: admit. It's <laughs> um, well, as long as you credit each time, that's good. That's <laughs> never, um, yeah. <laughs> don't just plagiarise it like some others have. Um, George, you're here to share your footballing fascinations and irritations, three of each. It's, it's like Desert Island Discs, but with a name that I didn't put much thought into about three years ago. Hope people will follow the concept at least. Um, Among your credentials that I listed, you're also a former winner of Celebrity Mastermind back in 2018, with specialist subject of Oasis, which... George, I think Oasis is a really good subject to pick because it's not too broad and it's narrow enough to, but without looking like you're cheating, like picking something that nobody knows anything about. So you know, I think it's perfectly well pitched, right?
3: Yeah, I think it is. Well, what they do, a little. Um, uh, I don't know if they, I presume they don't do this on the normal mastermind, but on the celebrity one, you have to give them a few options um, oh. of, of of several specialist subjects, which is hard because mm. who's got several? But the other one I gave them was Gary Neville. <laughs> <laughs> the life and times of the life and work of Gary <laughs> Neville. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: I bet now the, you uh, could do that five years on.
3: <laughs> well, exactly. Yes, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, it was just at the time when it seemed maybe a bit too obscure and a bit too. Uh, but yeah, so they they went for Oasis, which I mean, I was happy about. It looks a bit cooler, doesn't it?
0: It does. And and as I say, it's a nice broad subject that some you know people watching along could could get involved in. The first question I thought was a nice little warm up question. It was who first signed Oasis? I thought, yeah, nice chronological you know, hors d'oeuvre. And then the second question was this.
2: Yep, Oasis' rivalry with another band peaked in the summer of 95 when their respective singles Roll With It and Country House were released on the same day. Which band?
0: Blur. Oh, come on!
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's unbelievable.
0: That's ridiculous. Do you know, I I was on the child's version.
2: (laughs) junior mastermind
0: the kids version of trivial
3: pursuit <laughs> it is a bit um yeah uh it, it is a bit lame I, I tell people that i've got the trophy and that people assume it, it you know means that i'm smart but as you can see it's quite a
0: beginner level <laughs> you can't pick your niche sometimes trust me um can only be it was in front of you yeah well exactly charlie What what's the gary neville equivalent of, of that question do you think or who
2: is gary neville's brother <laughs> yeah who did he play for
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not mocking you George you still won that's the main thing that's the main thing not doing your achievement down in any way and anyway this, this tops that by a mile you're on Meza Harland Dix but first I've got a little adjudication panel for us to run through because it would be remiss of us not to pick up on the big story of the week but before even that this blew my mind some listeners may remember AI generated Alan Smith and his commentary from the Qatar World Cup um, things have moved on a notch since then his AI wizard Gonzalo Espinosa-Graham, who's generated some AI commentary for Lionel Messi's legendary solo goal against Getafe. And this is how he described it. It's, um, he's used a couple of sort of AI tools and he's passed them through every frame of the video to generate some commentary. Um, no prompting from him and it generated this.
3: All like a magician on the field, dodging one, two, three. Unstoppable. Look at him go. The crowd is roaring. Can you believe this? He's taken on the whole defence. He's a one-man show, ladies and gentlemen. He shoots. Goal! Messi, Messi, Messi! Unbelievable. What a goal. What a goal. Glorious. Absolutely glorious. The stadium explodes in
0: joy. This is football magic at its finest. Only Messi. Only Messi. Goal, goal, goal! My first takeaway... From this, Dave, is that um, it will just reignite the whole sort of Martin Tyler hates your club debate because the AI is not having this. He's got no passion in his voice whatsoever. <laughs> exactly, yeah. At least to give it some. Yeah.
3: So that's the actual AI's voice as well. So just it's a slight that...
0: Australian tinge, and why not? <laughs> so they've not studied, they've obviously not studied the uh, style of the tone of commentary, no. it's just the words. It's mad. Not sure about the ladies and gentlemen halfway through, Charlie. How did you feel about
2: that? I'm trying to think which commentator might say that. Could that be a drury and flourish? <laughs> I thought you might say drury. <laughs> I don't know which commentator is most likely to say, ladies and gentlemen,
0: mid one. Pierce Gold? in
2: a moment of pomposity, and I am like, that is not what we want to see, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know.
0: Pierce I don't he could would. do it. Um, right, let's move on to the real world. My highlight, personally, Charlie, of Tottenham one Chelsea four was uh, Gary Neville's personal VAR out on the high seas.
1: Well, every decision so far that I've seen, so let's go through them. A doggy, wrong decision, should be off. You just shouldn't have to break someone's leg to actually be given a red card for that particular challenge. The goal, absolutely perfect decision. They are perfect. The Romero one, I'm 50-50. I've got a parrot on one shoulder saying red, and I've got a parrot on the other saying yellow. <laughs>
0: I'm convinced he's done this before. What does he think the role of the mythical
2: role of a parrot is? Is it? Does he think it's like the devil? Yeah. That, you do, yeah. You think about the devil. No, nice your parrot, and an evil parrot. Yeah. Yeah. Good, yeah good, good parrot, bad parrot. I've got no
0: idea. It's a, someone needs to tell him. There, are, there are, You know, no, George. I don't mind a mixed metaphor, but I, I think this is this is too much.
3: Yeah, it's weird as well because it's not like sometimes I'll do that when you start a metaphor and you think, you know, if the start of the metaphor was the shoulder. You think oh god what lives on a shoulder what lives mm, on a shoulder mm. is it a chip is it a monkey is it a parrot parrot but he started with the parrot so you must <laughs> that must just be the, the image
0: that he has in his he must think that is the phrase <laughs> <laughs> I just what 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 thrills you more Dave the idea of a really friendly parrot who guides you through life <laughs> or like an evil parrot who gets you to do things that you don't want to do <laughs> Like Iago from Aladdin. Mm, good reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. Right. Um, over the pond now. Yeah, this came from a uh, listener, Martin. Over on the US coverage of this game, the normally very affable, always quite cheerful John Champion was on comms with Graham Lasso as we hit peak VAR. So basically, they've now got to the stage where they think it is offside, but they still want to check the potential penalty incident that preceded it. Yep.
1: What do you mean, yeah? Come on, explain. You're here to explain all this. I don't think it's explicable, but try. Yeah, but this is this is the challenge. That's not a penalty. Absolutely no chance.
2: Oh, Mowbray Loro. I was going to say, yeah, that, to that uh, crown, isn't it, Charlie? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, can people look into this? Has there been simmering tension? Because that does sound like that's not in isolation. I mean, maybe it's just the VAR frustration. That's, that's brilliant. What do you mean? Yeah. I mean, what, what, what's the parrot saying? I'm mean, just I thinking as well with the parrot. Just to get about <laughs> that parrot's famously just parrot thing. They repeat. They don't lead with their own opinion, they they just reflect what you say. So it's even weirder, the idea that you're being led by what a parrot is saying to you, rather than the other way yeah, around.
0: It's, it's just saying what Gary's just said. Exactly. <laughs> you didn't factor that into the parrot scenario, actually. Which would be really <laughs> annoying? Um, incidentally, George, uh, Graeme Lasso is a fellow Celebrity Mastermind alumnus. Uh, right. Guess what he picked as his specialist subject?
3: Oh, that's... That's a tough one because will he be playing up to the the Guardian reader intellectual mm. image? I imagine he would. He sort of, he feels at home there. He speaks about it quite a lot. So, I, I don't know, Spanish Civil War or something? <laughs>
0: right. It, interesting. No, no, he went for the history of Jersey.
3: Oh, oh
2: right. that's good. That's on brand.
0: <laughs> or where I'm from. That's rubbish. Rubbish. Oh,
2: dear. Even so, I think the, the history element there, that's good. That's good yeah, for him. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of centuries there as well. So, uh
0: um, a huge test of his yeah. belly knowledge how did he do um, don't know only glance at the Wikipedia page don't think he won the episode not like George <laughs> not like George <laughs> thank you um, yes blur it was a good warm up it was fine it got better from there <laughs> right it's time for us to get in stuck into your Mezzot Harland Dicks we start as we always do with your three fascinations of football lovely and niche these ones tell us about you first
3: okay good yes so the first one and this came up recently when i was watching the beckham documentary with my wife and it's how it's generally regarded as a good thing in football for a manager to show qualities which would be horrendous in any other work environment and i didn't even realize that this was the case until we were watching it and i was sort of watching for and also the, i'm a united fan as well so there's mm. even more bias but um I was watching them recount the way Fergie and Beckham were together, thinking, "Oh yeah, it was just beautiful the way that you know he took him from home as a kid and sort of acted as a father figure and created this kind of cult-like environment and you know controlled every aspect of his life and and uh, and didn't you know didn't want him to marry the woman that he loves and then uh, eventually <laughs> physically abused him." I was like, "Oh, she's such a great <laughs> manager." And my wife is appalled by this, and she's like, "This is this is not okay, George. This is." You know she's going, he's just going he's kind of groomed him here, and this is and I'm like, you just don't get it, do you? You don't get football because it's we kind of like this as as fans but also as players. you feel like generally the shared uh, opinion of everyone in football is that's the type of manager we want. We don't have those types of managers anymore and and the game suffers for it, but it's not just it's not just the fans going these players need a, a tough manager to give them a in. it's Players like it as well, which is strange. And I, and I like it, which, not that I play professional football, but whenever I have played football, I, I like that, uh, being treated like that, and I don't know why that is.
0: So you're not an arm-round-the-shoulder kind of guy?
3: No, I think, uh, I think I'm think i I'm very much, uh, you know, t- tell me I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we did when your
0: Wi-Fi went down, don't worry. <laughs> don't you worry about that one. Yeah. Uh, this is an interesting one, though, Charlie. Uh, this, this, um, the implication from George here that that managers, football management as an art form, should be um, should be held accountable to the same HR processes
2: as the rest of us. Um, I quite like the idea of sort of Beckham being put on a performance plan. New signings under yeah three month probation. I mean, I, I, I think there has been though an evolution of this because that was famously Mourinho's thing, wasn't it? That he those methods that worked so well with real men like Drogba and Terry and Lampard wasn't working so well with Millennials and Gen Z et cetera et cetera modern footballers yeah <laughs> exactly so I do think there has been that move but, but I, I, I'm totally with you George there's in lots of areas my wife's a social worker and I remember I think was he 15 guy who came on played for Arsenal in the Premier League and I was like oh that's you know like everyone was going kind of like oh yeah. you know he's 15 and you know on social media it was all oh Arsenal have break, broken the record like what an achievement for youngest player and she was like yeah. that is so fucked up how is a 15 year old <laughs> like how surely they've got a duty of care not to be playing a 15 year old in a professional game i was like oh yeah guess guess it is kind of weird yeah or or, or these you know these players like how we deify you know in most jobs it's like if you're working the whole time it's like you really need some work-life balance whereas you know the olympics rolls around it's like this rower woke up at 3 a.m every day Mm. and didn't Mm. see his family for four years what a hero and it's like this is kind of insane isn't it When you take a step back. Sport operates in its own universe. And
3: I think we as fans as well, we expect that of footballers. I've always thought it's strange how, as fans, we never really consider how big a deal it is to move house for a player. But we expect footballers to just go wherever they get signed and just you know all they should want to do is play football and anything other than that is is sacrilege
0: you never hear about them having to fill in a tr1 form and get it back in registered post in time for these solicitors to get the deal through speaking from personal experience I did.
1: I, I did. I did think on the doc. However, that um, you know they slightly over-egged the pudding a bit with the what we are going where we're moving to Milan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, not yeah, again.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. It must be difficult. Um, in in making my notes for this Dave, actually, I was trying to I was trying to establish what the actual dichotomy is for managers' relationships with players. You've got the arm around the shoulder situation. What's the what's the what's the inverse of that? Hair dryer. Kick up the ass. Yeah, is it kick up the ass? Yeah, or screaming and shouting, screaming and shouting, or arms around the shoulder. I can never remember what the opposite is. Um, I think
1: I think it's kick up the arse, kick up the arse, or arm around the shoulder.
0: I right, think. They, they go together well. I have yeah. to say, as long as you don't <laughs> knock the parrot off in in the process. Um, it also made me think, Charlie, about this has become sort of one of the sort of proverbial things, the proverbial kind of mythologies of the modern dressing room about how some managers uh, demonstrably aren't the smashing teacups sort. <laughs> oh, where's a Where the? I'm I'm convinced that the smashing of teacups came from a specific incident. I think I think it's Brian Laws and Ivano Bonetti when he threw a plate of chicken wings at him, and then crockery became immortalised <laughs> in modern dressing rooms. I'm convinced I don't have teacups.
2: And there's is there, are there teacups been broken in that late in Orion documentary? Or John no, I yeah. don't think there are any props in. No, that in was John just there. a metaphorical plate of dinner. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah, more metaphorical than literal.
3: Fifty minutes, I don't think, is long enough to make and have a cup of tea cool enough to drink. Yeah. So they've got no business being in a in a
1: dressing room. Yeah, anyway, have I think that there will definitely be a lot less smashable items in modern dressing
2: rooms. Oh yeah, nowadays yeah. you just <laughs> never find you <laughs> yeah. wouldn't find that at all. Yeah. No.
1: Although I could I could imagine like a sports scientist recommending like that players drink a little cup of espresso
2: or something at half time mm. I mean players drink that mate the South American players a lot so that you know that could you toss that around mm. yeah the straw fit?
0: going in someone's <laughs> eye the <laughs> next <laughs> straw er- it's gonna happen Eric
2: Lamella hurled his mate last night
0: <laughs> right strong start Uh, George let's hear about your second fascination of football please
2: Oh well
3: this one This is something that I absolutely love And I've seen it firsthand. So my kids are at that age Where they've just started going to um, My eldest goes to football And uh, he's five, nearly six And we go and there's quite a lot of other age groups Probably goes up to about under nines But anyway you notice That there's a lot of kids emulating As you'd expect Emulating the behaviours of professional players but what I love is when one of those behaviours makes absolutely no sense for a kid. So the thing that I saw at first, and then I've I've since seen some other stuff online, but the thing that I saw was two lads, probably six or seven years old, speaking to each other uh, when the ball had gone out of play with their hands over their mouths. <laughs> I, I refuse so was, to believe this happened. I can't believe this <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely it did. And I've seen it since. I think it's, I think it's more... Uh, They all seem to do it. But yeah, so I suppose, are they thinking in their head, someone's going to be capturing this on camera? I don't want the lip readers to make out what we're saying to each other. What could they possibly be saying that they wouldn't want anyone to hear? But also, I feel like they don't really think, I probably didn't when I was a kid, you don't really think about uh, why you're doing particular behavior. I remember um, the snorting of the goal line celebration having no idea what that meant but i remember people at school doing it you know and we didn't we didn't know what we we're doing you do that but in yeah, a school I've... playground
0: you're following you're following the netball yeah. lines you're going everywhere <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it takes the
3: rest of the match to, to celebrate but yes and i've seen since online footage of kids sort of celebrating and pointing to the sky you know to dedicate it to or, or running onto the pitch touching the ground and crossing the chest and i think it's I think to some people they'd go they'd be appalled by this. There's a certain school where things are oh, it's so modern, it's so stupid. I know people who are like oh, kids these days they uh, try and swipe pieces of paper because they think it's an iPad. It's, it's sort of that type of <laughs> you know oh everything's changed. But I think it's adorable. I think it's hilarious, and you know I want to see more of it.
0: Um, Charlie, it it clearly must be right at the most basic level of kind of. Um, in, impressionable child situation they are simply taking mannerisms and copying them but the hands over the mouth thing I mean it's both astonishing to me straight away and then when I think about it, it makes perfect sense because they are seeing players do it all the time
2: I felt so seen by this entry because I was that person aged about 10 I went even one even further and stupider arguably than the cup in the mouth I used to mouth things to myself <laughs> because that's what I saw people doing on tv not realizing obviously that they are actually talking it's just we can't hear what they're saying so i would kind of <laughs> mouth frustrations to myself in like a which you obviously <laughs> got, you, emotion, presumably. Yeah kind of, i mean yeah. probably kind of i used to i remember one game scoring and sort of baiting imagined fans behind the gu- obviously there was no one there this is ridiculous but sort of going to the gut sort of cupping my ears and afterwards my brother would watch it and be like what what were you doing? Like you do realize? Like, that's not yeah. But it, it, so I'm sure it's it's in my case anyway. It was just pure monkey see monkey do.
0: Dave, voice of reason here. This um, we we shouldn't be too perturbed by this. This is all part of healthy recreation, as,
1: as George says. It it's, it's a positive thing, right? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, I think it is quite endearing, and it's it's not quite as ridiculous. But like I remember all the kids used to like turn their collar up at school. You know, mm-hmm. to try and be Eric Cantona, like as Charlie said, whatever you see on the telly, you're gonna you're gonna do it. But do they know? Like, do they know why they're doing
3: it? That's the thing that confuses me because I think there must be some thought that that they put into it before they do something. I
2: don't uh, know. I think it is just your. It's something you see and you want to do it. I don't think they would be thinking, oh, are we going to be heard by anyone or, you know what, what what would the consequences be? Could we be bringing the game into disrepute if we say that Mr. Smith has made a wrong decision?
1: Maybe the smart amongst them are taking it a step further and are actually having the real realistic conversations. Get your shirt after in the tunnel. <laughs>
0: yeah, but that's the thing. We still don't know what players are saying to each other behind their hands. We just have no idea. It, it did make me think, though, George, of other things that child footballers might try and emulate based on what they see in popular mainstream elite level football culture. Walking into the ramshackle changing rooms in slow motion, like sort of nodding to <laughs> who would. Th- There's not enough staff members to nod to at that level, so it would be like the I don't know the assistant dad manager and saying, "Yeah, all right, he used to play yeah. for you." good to see you again or or perhaps you know if we go ultra tactical a sort of seven year old right back moving inside when in possession to to supplement midfield and create an overload I don't think that would be deliberate though that's what's known as bunching when I was seven yeah we've been doing that forever
2: yeah bunching. if if I ever manage at my son's football team I will make sure when I greet the opposition manager I give him like the full head tap hold his hand really warmly have a really in-depth conversation as if the cameras are on us I'm definitely going to do that
0: I'm I'm astonished by all of this um, George the nearest I got to this sort of behaviour and and it was more aesthetic than functional was the white tape over the ankles and then on top of that white socks over the football socks which served no function whatsoever but I, cons- I just thought it maybe me look like a you know late 90s early 2000s footballer and therefore I would play better these things matter if you, if you feel good you're going to play good right <laughs> absolutely that yeah I'm, I'm fully behind it I can't wait to see what they do next Me neither. Mm -hmm. Right.
3: Third fascination of football from you, please, George. Okay, this, this one's a simple one. It's the ability of footballers to spit well. Now, this is something that I remember. I suppose it leads on from that last one. I remember being very young and seeing the way that footballers would spit and at that age as well spitting isn't generally spitting's quite cool it was for me when i was at school kids who could spit was it was quite it was quite a cool thing but seeing the way that players did it i was fascinated at at the 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 skill level that they could just they could just run and spit the the perfect what's the word globule i guess the perfect globule off the side of the pitch and carry on without even thinking about it and then that got ramped up an extra level when I saw for the first time someone do the um, cover one nostril, mm. clear the other one. I'm just going to uh, say it, that,
2: yeah, that's another <laughs> level.
3: <laughs> in in my head, it was um, I think it was Robbie Fowler that I first saw do it, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't just a straightforward one. It was it was a backhand as well. So you used the right hand. <laughs> to go
0: oh wow. West. The left nostril. It's like using the outside um, of the boot. <laughs> yeah. There's a certain to it, isn't there? <laughs> yes. But um, the urban the urban myth about that though, George, was that if you did that, it would it would um, force your or was it force your nose bones up into your brain on the other side or something. So uh, there you go. You won't be doing that again.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh heck! Yeah, that sounds bad. I never heard that. That's uh, mm. that's terrifying. Uh, but yeah, when trying it, so obviously you try that. I assume all my mates tried it, and it's it's so hard. I think, especially as a kid, I've noticed now with I'm older, I guess your nostrils grow and stuff like that. It's probably a bit easier now. But as a kid, I remember trying it and it's just mess. It just results in so much mess.
2: Yes, how they get that through the nostril, that clean line. It's amazing, just like one straight line. Incredible technique. That's what they train for. That's what they train for. (laughs)
0: Dave, I mean, it never really dawned on me that this would be a skill set that sort of increases in effectiveness the higher up the pyramid you go and then of course i realized whilst you know physical exertion is going to make the whole thing easier you know you can't you know you can't just do it to a man on the street but once you're mid-exercise the the phlegm perhaps takes on a consistency that you can spit quite easily but then it, it reminded me dave that there has been many a time mid sunday league game where i essentially spat on myself I yeah. spat on myself because the phlegm was so viscous. And then it's, there's a moment of panic because you think someone's going to have seen that I've spat on <laughs> myself. And you're trying to wipe it off your kit before yeah, anyone yeah. notices. Because to me, the most embarrassing thing that could happen on a football
1: pitch. It, it's so regrettable. Yeah, because you, uh, you have those weird moments. Even sometimes if I've been out on a run, for whatever, the moment strikes, you think, yeah, actually, I need to spit here. And then you do it. You think, oh, why have I done that? It's gone everywhere. What, yeah. what, like, it's just, what, what, I'm, what am I doing? Mm. It, I just, I am, I think you're right to be impressed actually by, the, by their ability to do it so cleanly.
3: And it's the confidence as well of doing it because like we say, you, you know, you're worried that someone's seen you, Adam. They can guarantee that they're being watched doing it, pro- possibly by millions. And it's that, it, it's the confidence of getting it out, but also knowing that your nostrils are going to be clean afterwards and require no attention for the foreseeable future. It's it's, it's
0: Incredible. This is the level of granular thinking that we were aiming for. Um, Charlie, other potential spitties in football, I'm seeing managers spitting a lot more, which must be a case a case of not being able to let their playing days go.
2: <laughs> it's like, still got it.
0: <laughs> but spitting onto the 4G of the technical
2: area, I think that's borderline mm. unacceptable. Yeah, it doesn't feel very becoming for a manager. Just thinking about this, though, I mean, we talked about footballers not sneezing. Yeah, It's interesting, though, that they do... They have a lot of these issues, seemingly, because it is very common to see the nostrils, or or it certainly used to be. I can't think anymore if it is
0: marginal gains, clearing your nostrils, clearing your clearing your lungs. Never seen referees spit though, do you, George?
3: No, I've never seen that, and I wonder what their reaction to that would be. I think they'd say, "Imagine Keezy on that!" (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Who does he think he is? It's a disrespect for the game, I think, isn't it, if you saw a referee do it?
0: Yeah, yeah. It would be most unbecoming. Right, that wraps up George Lewis's fascinations of football. We'll be right back with his irritations. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each
1: week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons.
0: Right, welcome back to Football Clichés. Our guest for Meza Harlan Dix this time is George Lewis. He's taken us through his increasingly weird and niche footballing fascinations, but now it's the fun part. Your footballing irritations. Tell us about your first one.
3: Okay, so this first one, it can be summed up in three words, but I'll elaborate. The three words are, we talk about... And it's that phrase. It's that phrase that begins so many uh, sentences of pundits these days. And it just... As soon as I hear it, my heart sinks because it just leads to the most mundane non-point. So it's like, you know, we, we talk about top, top defenders and you've got to ask, is he up there with the likes of those? I'm not saying that he's not, you know, maybe he's in the conversation, sure, but, you know, remains to be seen. And it's just this sort of like... <sighs> Come on are we are we doing this It's that thing which often with annoyances for me it's when it's something where I think I could see myself doing that, and I hate that I would, but I could see myself doing it because it's a little cheat code of a pundit that sort of makes you appear to know what you're talking about, because it's, a very, it's familiar, but it sort of slots you right into a conversation that maybe you weren't even a part of, but it slots you right in there. So you appear to know what you're talking about. It also does the magical thing for pundits these days, which is fill time. So it's time of them speaking, appearing to be with knowledge about something. It's the same thing that I think I notice a lot of people in political coverage will... They never say Graham Brady. They always say, Sir Graham Brady, chairman of the 1922 committee. And it just, it it gives the impression of, (laughs) oh, he's speaking for quite a while about something. He seems to, he seems to know. And it leads to, it leads to nothing. And it happens so often. And it also as well, the other thing is, it kind of distances the pundit from any opinion they're going to have. Yes. So when I I hear it, they're kind of going, I'm about to say something which has already been mentioned a hundred times. And I'm just going to reiterate that point. So you'll get no new opinion from me. Here we go. (laughs) Do you know, Charlie, I didn't,
0: I didn't think, I, th- I didn't think this particular set of words was that deep. But then, of course, we know that that Carragher and Neville, for example, say it a lot. So I feel like we should ask ourselves why. And my only theory for this, Charlie, is that it's, it's a kind of distant-ish relation to unnecessarily pluralizations. so your Arsenal's your Chelsea's your Manchester mm. United. is it an element of sort of padding out what they're about to say sort of sort of artificially sort of adding evidence for the point they're about to make that's the only theory I can come up with
2: I think it's set it's um, what it does is it kind of sets up what you're about to say as if it's part of a kind of wider discourse and it, mm. and it almost tricks the listener into thinking this is something this is an important issue because it's talked about when it might actually not be necessarily or it kind of cre- it creates the sense that there's an opposing argument I mean for, in, in a, ver- a piece I'm writing, Writing at, today on Vicario. I was talking about how C- Carragher spoke about him and how good he was and he said "You." he actually slight variance on it he says you talk about a sweeper keeper I've never seen anything like that
0: uh, two points to make here first of all on a massive tangent Spurs tweeted out about Vicario calling him GV13 <laughs> I just want us all to express our instant disgust about that secondly yeah. interesting you mentioned that example Charlie because I am in the lead up to this recording I tried to do a Brian's gun and make a compilation of Carragher and Neville saying we talk about and that's as far as I got so <laughs> anybody out there who the the blood sweat and tears that goes into doing a brian's gun i reckon it takes at least three relentless working days so vote for him in the fsa wards at the very least um so i haven't got any spotting i know everyone knows what we're talking about so luckily we don't have to come up with a compilation but okay so we've attempted some sort of pseudo linguistic analysis of this but i want to get into the more cliches arena what are what's the definitive list of things we talk about what are the talk about
3: i think it's often it's often uh, to do with a position or a particular type of player so it's we talk about gritty midfielders or or, or a quality for a player it's like yes. we talk about teams having heart and it's like it, i don't remember you talking about that much but you know <laughs> it's, it's just yeah, fine um, but I feel like it's, it's always about a, a character of a, of a player or a team, really.
1: It can be quite universal, though. I think I think it can be applied to almost anything, and I think I think it can be combined with pluralization as well. I think I could very easily hear Gary Neville when talking about Manchester United's la- latest crisis, going. We talk about your Liverpool's and your Manchester Cities and the structures that they have in <laughs> yeah. place. Yeah, it's all that sort of thing. But I think with, with Neville and Carragher, I think I think I might let them off the hook slightly because at least they are. There is an element of sort of truth to the statement. They do talk about those things every week. Mm, yeah. Whereas if it, it's just a random pundit who's just popping up on Sky Sports News saying we talk, do we do we talk about it? <laughs> yeah, you're not normally here. Yeah, you we got, don't you normally talk about it. You've got to make who you
2: are. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it, it, it is concepts a lot of. Is it you know we talk about leadership. Yeah, we, we talk we talk about pressure.
0: Yeah, I think, this and I think is it. I think Vague often concept. what it is.
2: Yeah, vague mm. concepts which you're then going on to talk That's about. It. Well, this is a really heightened example of that. Like, and, and, and often it might be that they've kind of upended those expectations. So, you know, we talk about pressure. Well, they've just gone out and performed mm. in the most intense environment, sort of thing.
0: I'm still no, not a lot wiser after this fascinating conversation about why it's been used, but still, it's there, and we had, <laughs> we have analysed it, and I'm delighted that we have done so, George irritation number 2 please
3: okay this this will be one that i assume is shared by a lot of people but it's the inability of tv shows to show convincing football chat obviously we see this a lot we see it a lot in adverts as well but you almost expect it from an advert they've not got much time to do what they're doing and it's got to be a quick read they've probably not got licenses to use anything and they probably don't really know or care too much about getting it right but i feel like in tv shows the reason it is irritating initially is because you watch it and think come on it's so simple yeah. surely it's so simple and it's Coronation Street is the one that that sticks with me because that was the main thing I watched probably for the first 20 years of my life. Right. As I, was, I don't watch it so much anymore, uh, <laughs> to my shame. But uh, yeah, that was the. And I just remember all the time thinking, because it, it was quite rare that they'd talk about football. And then suddenly, one episode, every bloke on the street is a huge footy fan. Mm. And they've all got, you know, matching, pristine, weather FC shirts on. And yep. They're all down the pub, and suddenly, I wouldn't mind if they if they sort of uh, were kind of passive supporters and showing a bit of interest. But mm. suddenly, it means everything to them.
1: Completely think, agree. <laughs> like, why why isn't there ever in the background of just in an, in a normal shot in the Rovers or wherever or in the Vic? Why isn't just somebody with a football shirt on and a scarf in the background that's not part of anything, but it's just there? Yeah. But they only ever appear in those moments where <laughs> the story requires it to be there. They never have the game on in The Rovers Return, do they? No, and they, but they have
3: done. So that makes me think, God, you've paid for the pub licence, which we know is a fortune. Uh, and you never use it. You use it one episode a year. That's insane.
0: I, I would place the Rovers return as you go in on a Saturday lunchtime, but they've only got the championship game on. They haven't got the one on Premier League game on BT Sport. <laughs> That's the sort of puff. And you have to sort of go, ah, oh, oh, thanks anyway. And then you That's walk out. That's what we need.
1: We need, the, we need, they should have a dodgy box or they should be, like we said yeah. the other week, there should be someone trying to, to change the channel and getting it wrong. Like... I'd watch it. I'd be straight back in. (laughs) But
0: Now, this is really interesting, and and I'm glad you've zoned in on soap operas as as the case study for this, because, Charlie, of course, on this podcast, we've talked a lot about how films get football wrong when, you know, it it is sort of important to the plot, central to the plot. It isn't just window dressing, but they still get it wrong. But soap operas have a different duty, I think. Soap operas, apart from the crazy storylines, they have a job to kind of reflect mundane society as a a kind of basic level. And they they still really struggle to kind of capture football and football fandom. So let's start with this clip, first of all. This is from Coronation Street. This is Steve McDonald talking about local... Outfit Weatherfield County, whose level in the pyramid we've still never ascertained, <laughs> <laughs> but they're talking about it like it's a big deal. Go down in history that game, proper edge of your
1: seat stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, County were on fire, weren't they? Yeah,
0: I feel sorry for the other team though, because Tim said that the camera zoomed in and little girls sobbing in the stands.
1: Well, that should be all right, the resilient kids, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, unlike Athletic's keeper, I could have done better than him. <laughs> Likely. I'll have you know that you call me the cat when I were at school. Why? Because you can lick your own (laughs) knickknacks. Reflexes, isn't it? Your cat-like days are well over. What and you're in your football in prime?
0: Of course I am. Fits a butcher's dog, me. There are some great <laughs> ingredients here, Charlie. Wow. First of all, wow. First of all, I mean, I mean, I you know, it's a script on a program, so it has to have that sort of very abrupt back and forth. That's that's unavoidable. I'll, I'll, I'll have it. I'll let it have that. But secondly, just talking about how rubbish one of the goalkeepers was,
2: <laughs> I could have done better, me. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> just... great. I mean, I love the detail. The, the girl sobbing. Because yeah. I feel someone in the in the writing team or on the show must have seen that and been like, "I've yes. got an act, I've got a really good additional little detail." Yeah. I saw in a game recently. that was like, crying. It was really bad. So why don't we use that? But even
0: then, it still feels really telegraphed, George. It feels like oh, we've shoehorned it in because we've seen it in wider society. They can never do it. Maybe it's just us. We're too football savvy. With all due respect to the to the scriptwriters, yeah, We're just, and, it's and, never going to go under our radar. And that's good because that's initially I thought
3: is this an irritation or is it is it actually quite nice because it makes you think oh you know you. You just you just know it so well and that's actually something that we find so natural and easy is actually you know quite quite a skill so it makes you think oh you know maybe maybe you know but we're all we're all quite good at talking about football that's nice but what the reason it then irritates me is because then i question every other piece of acting out there
2: if they're doing football this badly
3: <laughs> yeah because yeah. football chat's the only thing that i've spent probably hours and hours, thousands of hours doing. Whereas maybe, you know, we're all watching whoever, Helen Mirren's portrayal of the Queen going, oh, what a, a moving portrayal of Her Majesty. When actually, if you knew anything about the Queen, you'd be watching going, oh, this is, it's a caricature.
2: It's ridiculous. <laughs> they don't actually speak like that. <laughs>
0: yeah. well, this is the thing, you know, every, every six months or so, Dave, you know, a, a proper football fan's um, willingness to accept um, half-hearted football chat on a soap opera will be tested but I imagine I imagine every uh, once a year an expert in cars flipping over and landing in a lake are going to be like well this is bollocks this doesn't yeah. happen <laughs> yeah. no, but I'm,
1: I'm sure there are scenes where I don't know like they go to the cinema or they like talk about some sort of popular culture reference and it's probably just as you know just as clunky but I'm glad you used this clip right because yesterday afternoon I went to a cafe in central London, yeah, at lunchtime, and on the, the the table right next to me, really close to me, was an old bloke. He was reading a book, and the fella came out, gave him his plate, and they had a conversation about the Spurs Chelsea game. But it but it was just. It was just so subtle. It was just, oh, do you you see the game last night? Yeah, bloody bloody hell. It was mad, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. Never seen anything like
2: it. Anyway, enjoy your food. That was it. (laughs) No details. That's all you need. Yeah. Well, that's that's really interesting because I was going to say, I think part of what makes soap opera and other football speak so unconvincing is the vagueness of it. And I don't know. I've always wondered because they speak in such generalities and and like on neighbours they'd have like made up team names uh, you know he's playing for the dingoes or whatever but there would be a (laughs) professional side and it's like well obviously there is no professional side called that like are there what are the laws on can they use real names surely they can it's fiction it doesn't matter but it's just like using brand names I think they're allowed to now I
0: think product placement is less of a Issue now, so yeah, yeah. just even West that. references in East Enders,
2: isn't right, it? Right, yes, you're right. Okay, you're right. yeah, but like, even that, I think, would make it slightly more because then because because that whole thing of like, the team or the game or yeah, the opposition scheme. the big match, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? We've mentioned Corey George. We we are duty bound, you know, for issues of balance. To get EastEnders in now. I'm interested in your take on this one. Um, this has the slight mitigation of being a celebrity cameo, but otherwise, we'll rip it apart.
1: He's probably just caught up in something else. Oh no, no, he's making a point trying to show me up. Good skill, um, son. Really? Oi. Make a habit of talking to kids in the street, do you? I That's Harry that football manager. Sorry, mate, um, I'm a big fan. <laughs> They've kind of
0: Harry Redknapp. Are you followed his career, so it, George? It's like it's like those people who don't follow teams; they just follow players. Oh God! Well, yeah, I'll get onto that soon, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but
3: yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- I mean, that is so weak, isn't it? I mean, Harry. Surely, <laughs> Harry is questioning the script. There, going. I don't walk around and then shout twenty meters into the distance. <laughs> Good skills, son. Because that really is quite
1: a. Uh, by the way, I'm Harry Redknapp. Do you, well, you know. Do you know what though? Do you know i I reckon he would. I reckon if I reckon if Harry Redknapp saw a kid dribbling a football like, in, in, anywhere near him, he, he's the sort of bloke that would give a little bit of encouragement. I think he would. But. Of course, the whole thing, well, I mean, not the whole thing, but that part of it, Charlie,
0: is undermined completely by the fact that that kid is dribbling that generic black and white football <laughs> in the most Albert Square kind of way. Nothing actual, yeah, yeah. just sort of just dodging it between his two feet. So annoying. Just, why do they play football so stupidly and weirdly and sort of narrowly yeah. on football? Soap-, on soap operas? I think it's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, the ball is great there. I-, I-, I think, Dave, with random, I think he would give really positive glow feedback, but I think he'd have to be prompted. I don't think he'd do it. Yeah. I think if someone said to him, like, what do you think of my lad, Harry? He'd, he'd go right in there. But like, yeah, he's a oh, yeah. player. We could sign him up. I think don't he's think got he... a chance. Yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> yes, think he's for Yes,
0: exactly. Get him along for a trial. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> right. Um, just, just to round this off, um, flipping the universes slightly, here... Is former Wimbledon and Ireland defender Kenny Cunningham on RTE back in 2021 trying to explain his reservations about a biennial World
2: Cup? Kenny, um, UEFA are against this. There's been suggestions of a boycott. I'm against it. Uh, are you? Okay. <laughs> Why? It's too much information for me to absorb. <laughs> okay. okay, well, that's. Reminds me a little bit of uh, when EastEnders went from uh, two episodes a week to three back in the, the 90s. Okay, so that's definitely bizarre. It. Would you like a World <laughs> Cup every two years? No, I wouldn't. No, I really wouldn't. <laughs>
0: What an amazing, <laughs> amazing comparison to you. But George, at the same time, I'm thinking, yeah, he's right. He, he was, yeah, it was. It well, was seismic. Well, that
3: is the, exactly. That is the example of the complete opposite. It's something which you would never script if you were, if you were trying to do a, a scene in a football studio, you'd never script that. But that's because it's so natural and it's so unexpected. It's the exact antithesis of
0: football in soaps. It's brilliant. Charlie, what do you reckon Kenny Cunningham thinks about Hollyoaks? He must hate it. Not for daily. Him, Yeah daily. <laughs> Awful. really enjoyed that. Right, your final irritation of football, please George. Oh, this is this is one I'm a little bit worried about because I think it is so
3: common and it is the thing that annoys me so much that whenever I bring it up I can't I can't explain it properly to friends without sounding just too annoyed by it. And I, they all do it as well, so I feel like I'm having a go at them, but it's present tense speaking and I feel like it's something that everyone everyone in football does. It's fans do it constantly. But uh, pundits do it as well. And the example is sort of going, or Vinny Jr., he gets in that Real Madrid team. Or put Harry Kane through there, he scores, he scores. And it's just, it's the, there's a few things that annoy me about it. First of all, <laughs> it's the, the certainty which just leaves no, it just, it's like ending the discussion before you've even started it. So it's just conversationally, it doesn't feel nice for someone to say those things to you. It feels quite, oh, well, I either argue with this person or just nod along so that already it doesn't feel nice when you when you're having that conversation but also to me it represents the new type of football fan that i see quite a lot which is the sort of it's the online fan it's the person that you often see with a youtube channel um who says things about you know, everyone being the goat, living in someone's head rent-free and all that kind of, you know, they, they, where right. it's like they, they kind of support, they seem to support players more than football teams and they seem to talk about, I saw someone online the other day talking about being a Prem fan, which to me is just a horrible thing to say. I'm a big Prem fan because it's sort of, it feels like so against everything that... Do they watch the last game or Match of the Day? I bet they don't. I bet they're not
0: <laughs> watching Bournemouth Palace
3: exactly that yeah and it just feels like you've t- you've taken everything which is brilliant about football which is the uncertainty sort of unpredictability and the, and the passion and you've just kind of made it into kind of a, a top trump's game this person will always go oh have you seen his stats have you seen his stats and i'll be thinking i, I might have done i might have thought about him a little
0: bit but it's not a, it's not all about that mate you got all this from the hypothetical <laughs> present tense <laughs> <laughs> The sun, that, that, that very innocuous can of worms has been opened to this. <laughs> Fair play. I, I warned you; I'd sound too angry. No, it's fine. It's exactly the place for it. Um, Charlie, I think we might have touched on this before, but I mean, it is quite effective the present tense, yeah. especially when talking about hypotheticals. Like he gets in that team, or he, no, you, you give him that chance. He's, he, he buries that and there's it, it an immediacy to it right?
2: Yeah I, I think you've really tapped on something George because I reckon when I watch games I do sometimes do it and I think the reason I do it is because it does make you feel really authoritative What so scenario if are we talking so about? So I, I might say it like if teams just miss a chance uh, I think if he squares that he scores <laughs> I, I just, <laughs> yeah. like, just say it it happens, <laughs> but uh, no. But it's, it's more. It gives you more authority, I, I, and and it's fewer work. I don't know. There's something quite tight. You're making about that. the split second decision with them, maybe. Kind of, yeah, kind of. I just, I, I, can see. I do. I can see the appeal of it. Because <laughs> what would you say? I, I, yeah, I think if he'd squared that, he would have likely yeah. scored. Doesn't sound anything like <laughs> it's as good. Out of date
0: in today's society, your your opinion's already out of <laughs> date. <laughs>
2: yeah. And it, and I don't know. It just gives you the sort of sense that you're kind of above it. You're watching it with a bit more perspective. Yeah, you've yeah. seen you've seen the picture.
0: Maybe it, it's action replay culture, Dave. Everyone just living in the moment continuously.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I think that's exactly what it is. You're you are putting yourself in the moment in their shoes, almost saying like, yeah, "I if that was me, I would have done that sort of mm. thing." A little bit. Mm. I I do understand that, and I
3: do understand. And again, it's one of those things where it's annoying to me because I can see the appeal of it. It feels nice to do that. It feels nice it's the closest. Give it a go. Give it a we go. Might, <laughs> <laughs> it's the closest you might come to sort of being in that. And especially the the example you use of sort of the in game ones. Right, he shoots there, he scores. That's like the it's it feels so. Yeah, I if felt ta- that too. Yeah, yeah he, I. He takes that it's, early. It's, he scores. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Rewinding <laughs> just it and listening then listening replaying it. it
2: I know yeah. I
0: think just rewrite <laughs> <laughs> he's after done it's- <laughs> right it got uh, me thinking about yeah. some other curious football tenses um, um, the most famous one of all which I'll never get bored of talking about um, which is equally curious is, is the goal scorer's tense George he says you know I've hit it and thankfully it's right. gone in which is the present perfect simple, I'm told, by Laura kirk Francis. What a tense that is, by the way, she says. There's kind of a less of an explanation for that. Again, it it can only be sort of they're being shown it and then they're sort of replaying it in their head. So they talk about it in that way.
3: I think that's exactly it. Yeah, I think you've summed it up. I think it's uh, you're telling someone about a particular phase of play or, or a goal and you're watching it in your head and kind of commenting as it goes, which is... Quite a, uh, I quite like that as a thought because it feels like that's ge- that's actual genuine speaking. You. you- you're picturing the image and you're talking and you're reacting to it in real time I mean it's strange obviously it's very odd
0: <laughs> but, but I do like it it makes me quite mindful at the end of this episode um, not to say you've been a great guest George um, <laughs> <laughs> which just makes no sense why would anyone say it like that um, Charlie, Charlie this pops up in um, in written reporting quite a lot especially for sort of um, long reads that have to take in a fair amount of chronology a bit of background Player X would then join Barcelona where he would go on to score 58 yeah goals in 113 games why do we do this
2: well we are a lot of people do it we've been told previously at Athletic stop doing that don't (laughs) do because it doesn't mean anything and and since someone points out that to me I'm like yeah that's really true and it really annoys me now when people use it He, he he would join Aston Villa later that year why I say it? It's a really weird way of saying it. Like, there are, there are maybe some examples where it does make sense. Because you're, 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 you're placing yourself in the history and then
0: you're looking forward quickly and then moving on. I think it's the only way it's allowed, right? Yeah, maybe.
2: But, it but like, it, it then just creeps into it and you see it loads th- throughout a piece and it, it is odd. I'm just trying to think if there's, like... Because it's such a football-y thing. Is there any example in real life where
1: you, would, where you would talk in this tense about something that's happened? Like, I don't know, if you're, like, on a tube platform, somebody's running for the tube where they don't quite make the door, And you go, I think if he jumps through the door, he's on the train. I think he makes it. If he just just goes a bit quicker, he he, he makes it. He leaves the house
2: a split second earlier, he makes that.
1: (laughs) It's it's ludicrous. I am going to try and start applying it to the rest of my life and see what happens. You're moving house tomorrow, Adam, right? I could foresee a situation where, I don't know, the bottom of a cardboard box falls out. If he bends his knees and puts his hands underneath, then the lamp doesn't smash. That'll go down well. (laughs) I imagine that'll go down superbly. I'll give it a try. (laughs)
0: Um, George, you were have continued to be and remain a great guest on this podcast thank you so much for sharing your irritations and fascinations thanks for having me so much it's been an absolute pleasure (laughs) i'm gonna go back and watch the entire episode of celebrity mastermind now just to see if the difficulty (laughs) level does improve (laughs) thanks to you too charlie eccleshare thank you good luck with your live show
1: cheers to you dave walker i'm going to the live show tonight actually so i'm going to be in the audience so i'll I'll report i'll tell you how well it goes next week (laughs) excellent (laughs) stuff thanks to everyone for listening
0: we'll be back on tuesday with the adjudication panel. Cheerio!